Hey, what up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, centered from Reality Podcast. It is Saturday, November 25th. We're getting pretty damn close to December. And I know I've said it at nauseum at this point, but I'm not particularly ready for the winter, ready for the extreme darkness we're going to get, but we're moving along. And so anyways, it's a pretty cool Saturday in the Reno Tahoe area. Sorry for the late podcast. I decided to do another uh, half marathon today. I don't know. I did the one yesterday and I guess it wasn't enough. So ended up listening to the fifth column and going out on a nice cold run. My legs are still a little, little chilly, but you know, I, someone asked me, they're like, what are you training for? Like, why'd you do this again? I'm like, I don't really know. It just kind of happened. I went on a run. I was going to do 40 minutes. The next thing I know, it's almost two hours. So that's just, just, it was a nice, nice way to think and get out for a little bit today. So anyways, other than that, there's a few things I want to talk about today. Probably a little bit shorter episode. Also, it was nice to see Michigan beat Ohio State, or excuse me, the Ohio State. So that was good. I know Michigan is not exactly the most popular team right now. You're probably pretty much either a Michigan fan or you hate Michigan right now just with all the Harbaugh scandals. But this isn't a sports podcast, so we'll move on. But I like to see Ohio State lose. It was about a year ago, a little quick story. I was at a Northwestern game, Northwestern Ohio State, my alma mater, Northwestern, uh, watching them play each other in in Evanston in Illinois, and we almost had to evacuate because there was a thunder warning, and then there was like a flash flood warning, and then it started pouring rain, and sitting up there in those bleachers with the wind blowing and the rain coming down, it was pretty brutal. It was pretty brutal, and uh, that's my one memory of seeing Ohio State play, so Anyways, they, of course, thumped the Wildcats, which is not really surprising, but that's a memory. That was about a year ago. Crazy how crazy how time flies. But anyways, I want to start by talking about Derek Chauvin, and this is the guy who obviously was convicted, I think it was back in 2021, for the murder of George Floyd. I don't probably have to remind you guys too much on that whole thing. He, George Floyd, obviously gets arrested and is calling out for his mom while, you know, Chauvin has his knee on Floyd's neck for about eight minutes or so. And he dies, and that kind of jumpstarts the whole, kind of the whole race riots, racial reckoning, BLM, Trump cracking down on protesters, all the chaos of 2020. Again, just another fun part of the COVID 2020 year. Uh, And I I remember being in Spain, so I was kind of I didn't get to really experience all the chaos firsthand, but it was a huge reckoning in the United States, and that video has become very infamous, very well-known, and Derek Chauvin gets, I think it was 20 years in prison, and as of now, it looks like he was stabbed in prison, and it's kind of an interesting case about whether you like him or not, the fact that he wasn't protected in prison brings up a lot of questions about our law. I mean, our um, our system of incarceration and our prison structure in general. And so, anyways, let's see here. He was, According to U.S. media reports, he was stabbed at an Arizona prison. A source told AP, the Associated Press, the 47-year-old was seriously injured by another inmate. The New York Times, citing two people with knowledge of the situation, also reported that he was attacked. Going further into a BBC article, it writes here in quotes, The Bureau of Prisons confirmed in a statement that an inmate at a federal prison in the city of Tucson was stabbed at 1230 local time on Friday. The agency later said employees contained the incident and life-saving measures were performed on the inmate. 
He was then taken to the hospital. Now, the name of the prisoner, at least in all of this, was not given at the time, but I have seen no reason to doubt the reports that it was Chauvin. Everything from like Fox News to BBC to you know the AP, they all say it was him. So no reason to really doubt that. And apparently nobody else was injured, and it looks like he did survive the attack. When I first heard about it, it seemed a little bit unsure if he was going to live. Whether I mean, when they say you know, taking him for life-saving measures. That never sounds particularly great, but it does sound like as of now, he will make it. Now, something interesting is Minnesota, obviously the state where he was convicted of killing George Floyd. He was Minnesota Police Department, Minnesota St. Paul Police Department, right? And so interestingly, Minnesota's Attorney General Keith Allison was quoted in a CNN statement, and he actually said something that was kind of fascinating to me. He said in quotes, I am sad to hear that Derek Chauvin was the target of violence. He was duly convicted of his crimes, and like any other incarcerated individual, he should be able to serve his sentence without fear of retaliation or violence. I think think that is kind of interesting, and this is the AG that actually oversaw this entire trial into Chauvin and George Floyd. So this is not someone who is like a big fan of Chauvin. This is someone who probably wanted Chauvin to get locked up, thought Chauvin was guilty. But I I still think um, AG Allison brings up an interesting point here about how he was convicted, he's serving his time, the prisons should have the ability to protect the incarcerated from violence or retaliation. And this is interesting timing too, though, like zooming out just a little bit, because this comes, I think, two days after the Supreme Court rejected an appeal by Chauvin's attorneys they were actually arguing that he had not received a fair trial for the killing of George Floyd, which is also kind of interesting. I, I think right now we're just in that media period where there is just so much going on right now that we haven't actually heard about some of these other things. But apparently, apparently Chauvin's attorneys are just saying it wasn't a fair trial. There was bias in the jury. I haven't seen enough evidence to think that was true, but it'll be something interesting to follow as well. Generally speaking, I'm not going to spend too much on this because there's really not not too much information other than what I've said, but this is a complicated scenario here because I'm sure that Chauvin was stabbed by someone in prison that obviously had a grudge against George, or not George Floyd, against Derek Chauvin, hated him, probably was furious about his actions involving George Floyd. This is probably someone who knew they were going to be in prison for a long time, so they're just like, why not? just stab this guy. He deserves to be stabbed in their opinion. They're, I'm just playing devil's advocate, not saying that's my opinion. And and it's a tough one because I think what Chauvin did to Floyd was awful. You know, he did have the power in the situation. He was the police officer and he still used that power, I think, in nefarious ways. And that being said, I, I was reading last night that the prison was understaffed. Security was not properly staffed. There was not a lot of proper preparation for something like this happening. And this sounds like just an issue of the prison not being prepared and failing to protect inmates. And whether you like it or not, the guy is still a U.S. citizen and he he deserves to be protected. And of course, like this is one that I think a lot of people understandably could probably grapple with or not feel much sympathy for what happened and I can definitely put myself in those shoes as well. But at the end of the day, we need um, rule of law. We need a justice system that works. 
And we need to protect people that have been convicted and are serving their time. And this just to me, this just looks to me to show more and more of the flaws of kind of our entire incarceration system. They, I, I mean, I've never been pro private prisons either, but that's a whole other thing. We won't, we won't open up that can of worms right now, but it's definitely a lot I could say about that as well. But I just wanted to mention that because we haven't heard much about him in a long time. This does not really surprise me though, whatsoever. I'm sure he would be a target in a prison, especially if he's around others, just based on the nature of the crime he committed, and just the entire dynamic of what happened. So we'll keep following this, but for now, let's move on. So I haven't talked about the great country of Ireland in a while, and today I want to spend some time talking about basically a stabbing of a a few school children and a few adults that led to basically a campaign of misinformation, which then led to anti-immigration riots, lootings, and chaos in Dublin. So To give some background before we get into it, I think there's something kind of interesting about Irish politics. Obviously, people know a little bit about the Troubles, about the IRA, about the division between Protestants and Catholics. I'm going to spare you guys my long rants about those. I do have other podcasts where I dive deeper into that. But I think something interesting to note is that, you know, the United States has had Donald Trump, kind of a far-right populist, come to power. I talked yesterday about Gert Wilders, who could be the next prime minister of the Netherlands. I have talked about Boris Johnson, of the Vox Party in Spain. I mean, we can go on and on and on. And I guess my point is, is that a lot of Western democracies as of recently have had kind of a far-right, anti-immigrant, populist leader, or at least someone with a lot of power. And surprisingly enough, it seems like the Irish political system over the last decade or so really has actually avoided having leadership on the national scale that could be someone like a Boris Johnson or a Nigel Farage or a Donald Trump or a, and, or like a Viktor Orban or something like that. And what I mean here is that obviously there's a far right and there is anti-immigrant sentiment throughout Ireland for sure. It's going to be common in any country when there's economic hardship, etc. But it seems like the far right in Ireland has just not really had a lot of political power recently. And it's more been kind of in the shadows under the table a little bit more. And I was reading an interesting article in the BBC, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah, in the BBC. And it was talking about how a lot of Irish immigrants have different opinions about immigration. Or sorry, a lot of Irish citizens have different opinions about immigration than, say, like a British person in London. And it's mainly because of the Irish history of immigration. There's been a little bit more leniency towards it. So that's a little background I would give. But unfortunately, actually, so I I say all that and it looks like things are changing. And so the Hill writes here in quotes, Protesters in Dublin began rioting and attacking police earlier this week after three children were injured in a knife attack outside a school. Irish police arrested 34 people Thursday night after rioters stormed across Dublin, setting fires to cars. According to Ireland's National Police, 32 of the 34 people arrested were charged for participating in rioting and destruction. So going back, so you have the initial attack earlier in the week on Thursday. And what happens during this attack is you have five people including three children injured in a knife attack at a school at a primary school in um, in Dublin sorry and one child is in critical condition as of the time I read this which was earlier today and then some of the people have also been released and so interestingly enough <laughs> it was a brazilian immigrant who was doing food delivery i think it was deliveroo yeah i think it was deliveroo 
he's actually the one that was, I guess, delivering food, drives by and sees this happening. And he's actually the one that apprehended the guy and actually ended up hitting him to the ground. Police said it appeared a man in his 50s attacked a number of people near the school. And then this guy in the public intervened and he hit him and he was able to be apprehended and taken. And I mean, I, I think the irony of it being an immigrant, as we'll get into in a few minutes, is not lost on me for sure. So anyways, basically what happened next is that violence and riots and looting and just burning began after rumors were circulating online that a foreign national, an immigrant, was responsible for the attack. And interestingly, at least at the time of this recording, police have actually not released the suspect's nationality either. But basically, this spread like wildfire. And after this was online, a lot of people were led to believe this was an immigrant or a non-national or a non-Irish national citizen. And police, according to the BBC, said they responded to serious developing and evolving public incidents in Dublin and the vi- and they turned and the protest turned very violent very quickly and <laughs> I, I think a troubling thing here is that you you can see how quickly disinformation or even maligned misinformation can just spread so quickly and people just follow it and it it does seem like a, a, a little background to this Anti-immigration protests, it seems like it's been a ticking time bomb for a little over a year now. The country created refugee shelters to accommodate 65,000 people. Ireland welcomed in a lot of Ukrainians, for example. And it seems like a lot of far-right groups are starting to get a little bit irritated about this. And they've been kind of fueling the public chaos and the public outrage that we saw kind of manifest here. Because it, if you're a far-right group that is anti-immigrant, it's a really good opportunity if a guy stabs five people to then blame it on the immigrant and really fuel the flames of already public outrage. And honestly, this type of event, I fear we'll see more of where you can kind of assemble a mob, an angry group of radicals together based on a potential misconception. So anyways, though, back to the riots. The prime minister of Ireland since 2022, so pretty recently, is Leo Varadkar, which, by the way, is a fucking sick name. He's a Fine Gael um, party leader. It doesn't really matter. Anyways, um, he said he, he said that basically, I think he sums this up well. He talked about how the city experienced two terrible attacks. First, the stabbing of the children and the others. And the second, he said in quotes, on our society and the rule of law. He noted also that 500 people were actually involved in the riot, and they're starting to really investigate how this happened, who was involved, yada, yada, yada. And Prime Minister Varadkar, um, he also said here in quotes, Yesterday evening, some people decided that the best way of responding to this attack was to take to the streets of Dublin and try to terrify, intimidate, loot, and destroy. Their first reaction to a five-year-old being stabbed was to burn our city, attack its businesses, and assault our local forces. And... I think that's well said. I think that's very well said. And we see this time and time again, a horrific tragedy followed by an almost as bad reaction that doesn't help anybody and just harms average citizens and innocent people. Now, it does look like things have calmed down a little bit. So that is good. That is very good. And so now moving on a little bit, it does seem like this was more of a rumor. Like I said, getting back to the guy who started this with the stabbing, does sound like that it was a rumor that he was an immigrant or a refugee or whatnot. The Washington Post writes here in quotes, Rumors spread online that the perpetrator of the attack was an immigrant or had an immigrant background. 
The BBC, citing unnamed sources, said the man was an Irish citizen who had lived in the country for 20 years. Now, that wording gets a little complicated because it says he's an Irish citizen who lived in the country for 20 years. So maybe he was an immigrant at some point if he's only lived there for 20 years. Because it doesn't say he was born in Ireland 20 years ago and he's 20 years old, right? So wording's a little bit confusing there. But either way, it doesn't sound like this was some new guy in, who, who recently came and was causing problems like the messaging that was out there was saying. And the article continues, police, police blamed a lunatic hooligan faction driven by a far-right ideology for the violence that broke out after a small group of anti-immigrant protesters arrived at the scene of the knife attack. And so it also says... The Irish government said in a response that it would modernize its laws against hatred for the social media age, which is good. And it would also introduce legislation related to CCTV access for police. And I think hatred for the social media age is a good way to sum up kind of what we're seeing here. Now, getting into kind of why, because as I was talking about earlier, the far right hasn't been blatantly involved in government like you've seen in places like the Netherlands and Brazil and the United States at times. And there's a guy, Gail McElroy, who's a professor of political science and politics at Trinity College Dublin. And he talks about how we're starting to see this uptick in far-right anger, anti-immigrant rhetoric, and it's because Irish society is changing rapidly over the last few years. He talks about how a few decades ago, Ireland was predominantly white, predominantly Roman Catholic. Today, around 20% of the country was born somewhere else, so about 20% is non-Irish born. He says here in quotes, It's very rapid change, and some people at the margins of society and underprivileged are feeling aggrieved. He continues in quotes, And people who are dissatisfied are seeking someone to blame. He also gets into later in, in, in this article I was reading about how the housing crisis has made things worse. The, the shortage of accommodations um, is really bad. So you have Ukrainian refugees being housed in tents. He talks about how rents have shot up along with their booming economy. And I think the interesting thing is, and this is something I, I've, I've always been kind of fascinated with, is that a lot of social media giants have their European headquarters in Dublin. Dublin is a great tax, or Ireland in general, is a great tax haven for American companies. And so it's getting really expensive and costly to live there. So you, move, so you mix that in with a bad economy, Ukrainian refugees, obviously long-lasting political tensions and sectarian tensions that we've seen for a long time. I think it leads to an interesting point. And then, of course, he also says, and this is something I've talked about, Ireland doesn't have a Marine Le Pen, Georgia Maloney, or Gert Wilders. That can partly be explained by Irish folks' memory of immigration and a desire to be kind to newcomers, which I think that is very interesting and, and kind of cool in a sense. And I, I do think that sugarcoats, obviously, a lot of internal issues that you've seen with the sectarian violence that lasted from like the late 60s till the late 90s, and we still see little explosions of today, more or less. So anyways, I, I find this all interesting, but it just seems like the world... When you mix kind of globalization that hasn't been good for everybody along with the rise of populism, inequality, and just kind of a global dissatisfaction with the status quo, throwing someone to blame into the mix is never good. And that just kind of seems like where we're at right now. So anyways, we will have to follow that as well. Keep, keep you guys up to date on that. But not good news. I've been, I was seeing headlines all week kind of about this and thought for a Saturday it'd be... Something something interesting to talk about 
not not exactly happy, but something interesting. So I guess most of the West is seeing one form or another of this same kind of angry, populist, right-wing nationalism. And I guess you just kind of have to look at everything going on right now, and it's not surprising. So have a great Saturday. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. Shorter episode today, but we'll be back. And have a great weekend. Adios. Adios.